hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. God, we do want to walk as a child of the light, to be a part of, of what you are doing all around us, that I am thankful that as a church we see how important it is to be the light of the world that light shining so people are attracted to what you are doing and who you are. So God, as we prepare for this time, I ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So we are continuing our series on the values of our church, and I I have thoroughly enjoyed just really digging into the values that our discernment team came up with. We had had a good, diverse group of people uh, gathered together to talk about what is it that we are about as a church. Sometimes we we get caught and stuck on all of the negative things that are around us. We, we get caught really decrying things and, and, and calling things bad or, or not good or things that we don't want to do that we forget that there is a whole lot more that bind us together than, than, than tears us apart. Uh, part of that group, we, we, we came up with, with four distinct values uh, of who we are. And we talked about two of them already. We talked about the third one and the fourth one. Uh, next week, we talked about how Christ is the foundation or, or the center of who we are. Last week, we talked about the, the, what, what unity is and how we express and receive that unity through, through Christ and, and through the triune God. Today, we're talking about love, and the next week, we will close the series by talking about acceptance. Now, I, I will have to say that as we were moving through this discernment period, there wasn't a passage of love that was lifted up by the discernment team. You, you can see what the discernment team said on our website. There's a card that I like to call called Moving Forward, and, and the entire work of the discernment team is, is, is there. But they did have some comments that talked about how love was one of the, the key values of our church. And some of the comments they made were these. We are to build up in love. Everything is done in love. A church that loves God loves each other. Love one another regardless of the outcome. Those are the the different ways that, that we express love. Now, being the pastor and and knowing that love was very important to the discernment team, I went through Scripture, and I I think I found a Scripture to help us to really understand why love is one of our our key values, why why, why love is one of the things that, that, that binds us and holds us together. So our passage for this Sunday comes from 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. 
I invite you to follow along with the screen or the Bibles if you have them with you today. Hear the word of the Lord. The disciple John writes, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in loves lives in God and God in them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we've talked about love before. I know that I've done several sermon series on, on love and wanted to kind of quickly recap about what love means. Because in, in the New Testament, the, the Greek for the word for the Greek word for love, there are actually four different meanings. Two of those words, uh, they weren't really necessarily they, they're not shown in Scripture, but you have examples of, of what exactly that kind of love is. The first love is eros, which is a, a sensual or a romantic love. Then the second one is called stogi, which is the doesn't appear in Scripture, but they're examples of family love between parent and children, brothers and sisters. We, we, we can see Scriptures that, that point to that kind of love. And then there is philia, which is an intimate love that most Christians practice towards each other. And then finally, agape. Agape love, which is God's love for humankind. Now, philia and agape are words that are used throughout all of the, the uh, New Testament. And I, I love how uh, Christianity.com gives a definition of what agape love is. And Christianity.com says that agape love is pure, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires another's highest good. Let me say that again. I think it's important to hear again. Agape love is pure, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires another's highest good. That's beautiful. And if we take a look at the entirety of the New Testament, agape is used over, uh, over 200 times in the New Testament. Now, that's not just the word agape, but there is a, a verb tense of agape love, which is agapeo, which both of those two together you can find written throughout the New Testament over 200 times. And for this particular passage, in this one short verse, it is used three times. Three times for us to, to fully understand and to realize not, not what love is for us, but, but who love is. And sometimes we get mixed up because we get so busy thinking about the act of love that we forget that God is love. Sometimes we, we, we try to find ways to describe love. We use those, those human emotions and, and the way that we feel about other people or, or, or what may be in our heart. And then we realize that when we do that, we, we tend to miss the mark because it's not a full, complete picture of what love is. But, but when we look at God, when we, we take a look at the Father, and when we take really look at the whole triune God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that, that relationship that they have with each other, we see a complete 
definition of love, even though it may be hard for us to, to fully put into words exactly what love is. I think one of the mistakes that we make about agape love is that we look at ourselves instead of looking towards the triune God. And if you want a really good picture of what agape love is, all you have to do is go back to 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, where we find these words. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. We know what love is because Jesus laid down his life to, to sacrifice himself so that we may have life and have life abundantly. I think when the discernment team was talking about the importance of love and, and how we are a congregation that shows love, it showed that that is what we do. We, we, we lay down our lives for one another. We, we lift each other up. And over the past several years, I have seen how this congregation has done this, not just for ourselves, for, for others that who are within our community. But the question comes, so, so if agape love, we get a picture of agape love by looking at the triune God, how do we follow that and how do we see that agape love being played out through the life and work of Jesus Christ? Well, I think one of the first places that we can do and see that is through what we call the great commandment. We've talked about the Great Commission before. That's a part of our, our mission statement, to, to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. But then earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, we see what the Great Commandment is in Matthew 22, where Jesus reminds us that we are to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and a second is like it. To love your neighbor as yourself. See, see, Jesus is equating this love that while, while, while God continues to pour out his lavish love on each and every one of us, then we in turn show our love for God and we show our love for others. Now that last part is kind of tricky as it says to love our neighbors as ourselves. So it's very important that we have a, a good idea of how we show love to ourselves because I can tell you there are times in my life where I don't really love myself that much and I really shouldn't share that with others. I, I, I tend to place myself a whole lot lower. When you do that, then you have a very low bar to try to reach. And that's not the bar that Jesus is calling us to extend to. But, but, but Jesus then Earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, he, he raises that bar, if you will, to another difficult point. In, in Matthew 5, in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount, he says these words. You have heard that it was said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That puts a different light on it, doesn't it? That makes us take a look at that passage in a different way. 
that, that this love, that this sacrificial love, this pure, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires another highest good, I'm supposed to do that to somebody who is my enemy? How, how is that supposed to work out? How, how is that supposed to, to play out in my life? Well, it's what Christ calls us to do. It, in the Gospel of, of Luke, he, he continues this idea and, and, and kind of stretches it out just a little bit more so we can see a full picture because he says, you know, even sinners, they, they love the people that they love. You know, it, it doesn't take much for them to, to show love to somebody that they care for, but when you take the opportunity to love your enemy, that is the key. I would think Jesus would even say that, you know, it's easy to love somebody that you don't know. It, it's easy to show respect or, or, or to care for somebody that you have no idea what to do. I think that's why ministries like uh, World Vision that, that do the, the ministry for the, for the kids that, that are in orphanages all over the world, th those are helpful because we want to love them. We want to help them. We, we want to be a part of, of, of how to, uh, to, to help them get a leg up. But when it comes to somebody that we may have problems with, or we may have difficulties with, well, we'll just kind of put that over on the side because I just don't want to do that. But Jesus reminds us that if we are to truly share love, that this agape love that is pure and willful and sacrificial, that intentionally desires another's highest good, then we not only practice that for those that are around us that we care about, but we also practice that love for those that we have problems with. So how do we show this love? Well, I think the easiest way to show this love is to, to give with no strings attached. Matthew 25 gives us an example of what that means. Matthew 25 is a story of the king separating the sheep from the goats. And the sheep and the goat, they're, they're there and they're separated. And he, he tells one side that they're going off to eternal punishment, the goats. And they go, when did we help? When did we not help? When did we see that we did do things that we weren't supposed to do? And God says, well, you know, when you didn't feed those who were hungry, when you didn't clothe those who were naked, when you didn't visit those who were sick and in prison every single time, you didn't do those. You, you weren't doing it for me. And for the sheep, they asked the same question. Well, when did we see all of this? And he reminded them, when you fed the hungry, when you clothed the naked, when you visited those in sick and in prison, you were doing that for me. See, see they knew that it wasn't to try to get something, but it was just about of what they were supposed to be doing. This past week, Tracy uh, came home and her uh, car had the, the little tire light on. And this was like the third time in a row, a third day of having the tire light. She you know, aired up her tire over and over again. And finally, she said, okay, I need to go get a new tire. I don't know when I'm going to have time to do this. I said, honey, I'll, I'll take care of it on Friday. So don't worry about it. So I, I took it to this new tire place that we found that's kind of close to our house and and uh, pulled in, and a gentleman came out, and he uh, just started to get work on the car to, to pump, pump, pump it up. I said it was a whole back driver's side tire, and he's doing it. And 
This is the first time I've had an experience where I was able to be right there next to the guys he's doing the work. Because normally we take it to like one of those big box places and they would make you sit in a little lobby area where you can have coffee and stuff and then you wait for an hour, hour and a half and then finally they get your tire done and everything. Well, I'm sitting here next to the guy and I'm, I'm watching him do this work and we're having a conversation and he just looks at me and says, man, I hate my job. And I'm, and I'm, going, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm thankful for your job. I mean, you're helping me fix the tire. I said, yeah, you don't understand. You know, my, my dad just died last week and, and I, I wanted to go and be with my family and I told my boss that and, and he said, well, I'll be glad to give you a check and then you can just leave, so you're, you're fired. And I said, I can't do that, I have to work. I, I, need, I need money. And, and it was like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know the, that, that, that tension, you're, you're starting to feel it. I'm going, I don't know what to do. You know, it, it, it just kept going on and on and on. Against it, you know, and I even asked my boss for five dollars so I could go next door to McDonald's and get something to eat for lunch, and he won't even do that. And and my mind started to race a little bit, and and my mind was racing because I, I started to do that thing. Well, okay, come on. Does he really need the five dollars? Is he, is he wanting to use it to do something else? We've all played that game, haven't we? Whenever we see something like that. But then something clicked inside of me and I said, you know what? The man needs something. I'm going to give it to him. So as I was leaving the shop, I walked up to him and I handed him $5 that I had in my wallet. Now, I tell you that story not to brag of, ooh, look what Pastor Chris did. He, you know. I'm not doing that, but it was taking the opportunity to be intentional. To, to listen to what is happening around us and to say, you know what? This gentleman has a need, and I can meet that need. Now, some people, uh, I had somebody in the early service say, well, you don't know what pastor, what they did with that money. I said, you know, it's not my job to know what they do with that money. It's not my concern to, to know what happened after I left. But the concern that I had was that Jesus asked me. I was hungry. Did you give me something to eat? I was naked. Did you give me clothing? I was sick and in prison. Did you visit me? Doing that with no strings attached means that I am being present to what God is doing around me. And I can be a part of that work. Thanks be to God. A second way that we can show agape love, we already talked about a little bit, and that's praying for our enemies. And I tell you, it's a hard thing for me to do at times, too. There are some times that I can get so boiled up by somebody that has done me wrong or that I perceived has done me wrong. That's important to remember because sometimes they don't do you wrong, but you just perceive that they're doing something wrong to you, and, and you just want to lash out. And you want to say, you know what, I don't care about them. But the amazing gift of prayer allows us to fully live into those words that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 to pray for those who hurt you or who may persecute you. And I can't think of a better example of persecuted prayer as through a man by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a, a Lutheran pastor back in uh, Nazi Germany and was, was arrested for his faith. 
And, and as he was arrested for his faith, he was sent to a concentration camp, and he actually died in one of those camps. But Bonhoeffer said these words. He said, I can no longer condemn or hate a brother for whom I pray. His face, that hitherto may have been strange and intolerable to me, is transformed in intercession into the countenance of a brother for whom Christ died, the face of a forgiven sinner. To make intercession means to grant our, our brother the same right that we have received, namely to stand before Christ and share in his mercy. These are words spoken or written by a man who was sent to a consecration camp to die because of his faith. To die because he stood up against one of the world's greatest dictators. But even he knew that prayer can transform someone's life. That, that, that prayer means that, that you are now standing in the presence of God with somebody that you absolutely despise or somebody who absolutely despises you and say, we are the same. We are both sinners who are in need of God's love and grace. And when I pray for you, I am lifting you up to God so God's will and mercy may be evident in your life and that you may see and experience God's love as I have experienced. And finally, the last way that we can show agape love is probably the hardest of them all. I know it's the one that I have the most trouble with, and that is in the area of speaking the truth in love. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 4.15 that speaking the truth in love will will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is in Christ. Speaking the truth in love means that, that we grow in our respect to one another. That, that, that way, we, even though we may not agree or, or we may have difficulties in understanding where other people are, when we take the opportunity to speak the truth in love, as Pastor Stephen Thomason says, truth Without love is abuse, and love without truth is enablement. We are, we are breaking that apart to allow the love and truth of God to be what we are about. It's an understanding that we must first take a look at our own hearts and understand who and whose we are understanding that, that we are children of God or, or in it bearing the same image of Christ in each and every one of us. It's understanding that how I speak to myself can allow me to speak to others more clearly and more boldly. I, I, I am one who very much tears myself down every opportunity I can. And whatever I think about loving my neighbor as I love myself, I'm sorry if I'm loving you the way that I love myself. But I work on that because I know that I am a precious child of God. And because I am a precious child of God, you are a precious child of God. And it's an understanding and knowing that I can share love in a new and profound way. It, it, it takes time to listen 
because maybe you're like me that I have some wise thing that I want to share that I want to quickly share to you and not listen to what is going on in your life. When we take time to listen, then we can take time to understand, to hear, to, to breathe. And when we take time to listen, it also allows us the opportunity to check our motives. Why is it that I want to quickly speak into a situation? Why is it that I want to quickly move by and allow things to happen? Even in the early service today, had a, a guest, I think from out of town, that came and sat in, in the back. And at the very end of the service, I saw her start to move her way around to the front during the final song. And the first thing, I, I leaned over to Pastor Francis and said, hey, help me out here. I, I see somebody coming and we might need some, uh, some buffering here. And as she came up, I, I, I went and I talked to her and she talked about an aunt that was in another city that was struggling or dealing with cancer. And immediately that just you know, put a dagger in my heart because I was thinking other things. And I listened to her and was able to help her. And it was because I took the opportunity to check my motive, which was, okay, let's see if I can pass her off quickly so I can go do other things. But it allowed me the opportunity to listen and to fully hear what was going on in her life and how we as a church can help this poor sister. Another way that we can speak the truth and love is make sure that we spend our time in prayer, knowing that when we place our, our trust in God through prayer, that he will guide us and lead us every time. Now, I know it may sometimes feel like God doesn't answer all of your prayers, but, but I can guarantee you, if you spend time listening, God will share with you the direction you are to go. It's all about building trust. It's all about building trust and allowing God to guide us and lead us. But there's one thing that I know about build, speaking the truth in love is that sometimes it may not be the popular thing to do or to say. But if you trust in God, he is able to use your words to build a better relationship beyond what you can imagine. It always takes two people to build a relationship. And it's not all dependent on you for that relationship to move forward. But it is open to you to allow yourself to be open for that relationship to continue. My hope and my prayer, my friends, is as we continue to grow as the body of Christ, as we continue to live in these values with Christ as the center, living in unity with the love of God surrounding us, accepting those around us, that we can fully share the body of Christ, redeemed for the world, to be in service to one another. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have shown us what true love is. Before we knew you, you loved us. And you poured your love out for us on the cross. Lord, I pray 
that I that we would reflect your agape love to this world. Lead us by the Holy Spirit to love selflessly and sacrificially. And may it lead others to salvation in you. And we pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.